Good day, good evening, good night, good morning, and welcome to another exciting episode of Black Cauldron. Um, ladies, I can't even begin. This is the highlight of my week. <laughs> I must say so. It really is. I mean, I have like actual work to do. You know, I'm like, but I made sure I did yeah, as much work as possible. I was up last night reading, you know, for school, and I was just like, I would have Sunday to do Harry Potter. So I'm so excited. So before I go any further, welcome back to another episode of Black Cauldron. I said before we are drinking, though today I am not drinking any alcohol. I'm actually drinking boring tea, which is a British tradition that somehow I have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true. I, I, you know, people can't go on with their coffee. I, my day is incomplete without tea. My grandmother would be so happy. She's smiling now from heaven. She'd be like, I was telling you this forever. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but I ignored her in my youth. So, before I go any further, let me introduce my co-hostesses. You know, I am nothing without these women. We have, as always, we have Janina from Foreign Ohio. How are you? I am well. I'm also super stoked to be back and doing this. I have been, you know, totally engulfed in the world of Harry Potter and I couldn't be happier. You know, I'm constantly making notes throughout the week. Like, oh, my God, I don't forget. You know, let me write this down. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, I sent you ladies uh, a list of questions for us to consider. And don't worry, listeners, I will put up those questions in the description box. So in um, in this second episode, and it will be something we can think about throughout as we follow this journey. And our extra, extra special host, we have hostess, you know. She is our guiding light. I'm just saying. She has a wealth of experience and knowledge. Janina and I are just like super geeky fans. You know. I feel like I'm a Deb fangirl. <laughs> you know what I mean? The team Deb. <laughs> Hashtag team Deb. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Always, always. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. You know, there have been some moments during this week where it felt like I wanted to bust out of here, but. Uh, other than that, it's been great. I love being able to look forward to talking about Harry and um, found myself going back, rereading some things. So it's great to be here and looking forward to the, the next chapter. So, and of course, there it's real. So I have a confession to make. So I went ahead and I had it for cheap, relatively cheap online. I bought the illustrated books. And I was like, I could wait. But then I realized the fifth book, which I am eager to see the description of, like the pictures in the fifth book, mm-hmm. um, that's not coming out until 2021. So I said, you know what? I might as well just go through the first four books, you know, and just like how it was when I originally started this series. <laughs> so <laughs> so hopefully they put it on Kindle uh, soon as well, because I would really like to see the moving pictures. It's really cool. I think if you have Kindle Unlimited, um, you can borrow it and you can just go through and see some of the imaging. It has to be a, a colored tablet or like perhaps your computer, but it doesn't work the same way. It can work on your phone, but it doesn't work on a regular classic Kindle. But it's it's fun to see, you know. It's, Wait, it's, the illustrated version is free on Kindle Unlimited? Yes. I totally have one. that. I'm in. The, the, the All right. One. I will check that out. So it, it really is something to, um, it's really, it's one of the reasons why I would say 
oh my god, I wish I knew little children to read this to them. But then I'll probably be really obnoxious and be like, don't you see this exciting part? Don't you see this exciting part? And they'll be like, no. My no. nephew is a teenager and he does he, he has no interest in these books. He has a, a, a page limit. He's like, mm, anything over 150 is too much. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. When he gets older, he, he will probably be kicking himself because my sister is adamant that he's not going to be, he, he will be going to college. So <laughs> college is going to kick his ass <laughs> royally. So last place we stopped, ladies, we were so engrossed in the world of Harry Potter. We asked some really tough questions. And I think we got to when Harry got to school. And here we are. So today, we, we the focus, our intended focus, is mainly on the plot points and the people whether we will get to that whether there will be a third episode on the first <laughs> book we don't know so this is the plan this is the plan folks okay and i'm sure i have actually heard no one complain about it being <clears throat> too long or anything of that sort so all our fans out there are excited and stoked so we can go on forever you know just so long as we're not over 100 and uh, hour and a half every episode i think that's people's general limit Unless it's a live episode. <laughs> right. So we are in Hogwarts. And I think so, which becomes the place where we spend most of our time, interestingly enough. So in many essence, Harry Potter is a school book. <laughs> you know, a lot of the action takes place at school. And we have to ask ourselves the safety of this school. But, you know, that's a whole other issue <laughs> to deal with. Like, what is happening at this because a whole lot of shit is happening and not a lot of it is about education. You know, we, we go Oh, into- cut it out. It's all about education. Mm. Education isn't only learned in the classroom. Okay. But it just seems <laughs> like there's only three people um, uh, involved in the education. But there is a question that I have to ask that will come up later on. I, I can't ask it now in terms of, like, later on in the series about this education. But it's something for us to consider it. So the school is, as most schools are divided into, we can see, we we see there's, I guess, a dichotomy, I guess, between teachers and students. Um, There is a world in which the teachers seem to inhabit and the students inhabit a whole different world. I, I think in most boarding schools, I think my impression is that there are some avenues where teacher and students sort of mingle together, whether it is like a sort of a like a after hours situation. But at Hogwarts, it's very strict. The students seem to hang around themselves, and the teachers seem to be once they're outside of class, it's almost like they're living another war in a different place. Like I don't know if you all got that impression. I certainly did throughout the series. Am I crazy? Well, no. I think I think um, you know a lot of the the governance, so to speak, when the kids are not in in class is left to the prefects and the head right. boy or and head girls so that they're pretty much on their own. Although, you know, when I've read other boarding school um, books that were set in contemporary times, that's pretty much the way it, it is. Although I have had friends who have taught at boarding school mm-hmm. and they had a lot more responsibility for the kids right. than, than you see in, in literature. A lot of times it's like the once we go into the orphan um, and we remove the parents from the scene, 
so that the kids have the agency. I think that's what you see a lot in literature. But my friends who have taught in boarding school, they had a lot more uh, oversight of the kids during their right. out of school time. That, that 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 always struck me because I mean just logistically, particularly when you're taking little children, you know, at such a young age. And and I started high school at the same age as they did. And you can really tell the students who never really left home much, you know, as opposed to you can tell several things you can tell. You can tell those who had chores at home, who had responsibility at home. You can tell those who were babied at school and at home. And you can tell, you know, like who were much more mature for 11 as opposed to who were immature. Because you, high school, you were, a lot of things you were left in terms of like teachers would tell you there is homework and there is once. That's done one time. And the teacher wouldn't be docking behind of you as you were in grade school or getting something done. You know what I mean? And there's right. constant reminders of, you know, like if you don't do this, you know, you will fail. And so, you know, people have to start measuring up and. Those who used to do really well in high school, in grade school, um, didn't necessarily do well in high school. So those things had to pop up. And there was another point that sort of struck me in my head about um, that. And particularly in the magical world, which is rather interesting. There is no grade school in the magical world is our impression. Right? I think. Right. So uh, I would expect teachers would somewhat have to be more... um, you know, parenting, you know, like uh, having to help these children, shepherd these children in some ways, much more actively outside of the classroom setting. Because the teachers somewhat like disappear into the staff room as soon as class is over. But well, we, we know that you know, who has responsibility for which house. Um, so they have some oversight responsibility for the houses. And, you know, when crises come up, that's who they seek out. But, you know, for the most part, you're right. You don't see them in the interacting, and it's mostly the kids figuring it out for themselves. themselves. Um, but we have, in the terms of, I don't know how we, we keep talking about the Harry Potter world, and we keep forgetting the, the major, major characters. We meet Ron Weasley, who the redheaded um, tries to play himself off as a stepchild. Um who meets Harry Potter, and we know a lifelong friendship has begun on the train right then and there. And we meet Hermione Granger, a muggle-born witch with her bushy hair, white. Um, and they, they, a friendship is forged, you know, at some point. You know, they were, they were rough beginnings, which always struck me as very odd in the beginning. This Holy Trinity didn't start off as the Holy Trinity. There were lots of holes in that friendship that they, they literally despised this little girl. In some ways, they were like, mind your business. Get out of here, girl. Like, we don't want you here. They were very mean to her in many regards. And yeah. in, in essence, let me just put it out here. Uh, major plot point. Um, spoiler alert. Her mind is the reason why they're still alive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, the Ron and Harry connection actually starts so much earlier because remember, it is Molly Weasley who shows Harry how to get on the platform. So mm-hmm. his connection to the Weasley family begins even before um, 
he he and Ron make a connection because without Molly, he's standing there trying to figure how do I find nine and three quarters. Remember, mm-hmm. uh, Uncle uh, uh, Vernon was like laughing at him because you know he says here's nine and here's ten. Good luck with that, and he leaves him there. And it right. is Molly, when he overhears Molly <clears throat> say the muggle, and that's the only connection he has to kind of wizard terminology. He follows them and she and kind of watches to see if he can get some direction as to how to navigate mm-hmm. this whole thing right from the very beginning. So even before he and Ron have a connection, Molly Weasley comes to the rescue. And brings him because that's true, because his first introduction into the magical world, it went rather in, in a rather traditional fashion with Hagrid. Right. There was right. no necessary magic that needed to happen. There exactly. was just a secret, you know, like a wall to open up and go through. But this thing, he was left to enter the magical world for his first time on his own. And right. Mrs. Weasley thought of like, yeah, that, that, that that's true. I didn't even think of it that way. Um, I, I just assuming that this is the second time in the magical world. But in essence, Diagon Alley is not really it is a magical world, but it's just one of those hidden it's it's behind a wall basically. So this is this is um this and, is this is real magic. Hagrid did that for him. Hagrid basically did that for him. And but when he gets to the plat when he's trying to get to the platform, there's nobody there until Molly until he overhears Molly say the word muggle and she is the one who can who can guide him. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 interesting. So. He meets Ron, and there is a friendship that's uh, Ron. Um, there is the issue of right off the bat, Ron. Um, there is a sharing; they share each other meal. You know, Ron gives Harry that thing that he never has, uh, some home cooked, lovingly prepared meals, corned beef sandwich, and Harry gives Ron something he never has. You know, like, <laughs> Unlimited access to candy and money, apparently. You know what I mean? Like, some feeling of, like, um, I don't want to say wealth, perhaps, to say wealth, but I guess the word is, um, you know, to, to have what you want. You know, that, that ability to, like, see something, say I want it. It's trivial. It's candy. But get it. You know, children always want that. But it seems that Ron makes this impression. He's never been able to have any of that, right? It's this constant hand-me-down trash, which makes no sense to me at all. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But, you know, we we, we can address Harry Potter and class issues because I think Ron says he's using Charlie's old wand. Is that what he says? Yeah. He's using someone's old everything. Charlie. And and that to me just like, I don't understand how that's the thing now. Like, why are you using Charlie's old wand? Like, like, that goes against the very principle which was established in the earlier chapter. The wand chooses the wizard. You don't just which, go and... But this is why Ron's wand doesn't work properly. Right. So even though it's weird that it happens, it does follow the rules. But my question is, why would you give him someone else old wand? That wand doesn't become old. A wand is a wand, right? Um, Wasn't there something about it getting snapped... It would get snapped later on. Is that later? I don't know. I mean, we know that they're poor. But Um, you're right about that. We think that it does have something hanging out of it, I think. Yeah, like 
it's broken. They can't afford to replace it. So, you know, I mean, even though it's weird that um, he would have someone. But we, you know what? Honestly, I mean, just thinking about the series as a whole, this actually happens quite a few times that someone is using someone else's wand. So we know it's a possibility and it is at the very least consistent through the series. So I'll give it that. No, what I am saying is that the book makes a subsequently and even before we even get to the later plot points that this situation of wand has to do with um the series olivander makes a very you know um pointed this is a pointed part in the book right mm-hmm. about the wand particular right. since we know that the wand that has been sitting there waiting for harry basically has been there for a very long time right it's been there for like since yeah. The Voldemort was a child, and this is the one that continues to be used in that story. So the idea of passing down a one to someone else because you get a new one is to me slightly kind of odd because it's not a pair of socks. Though. Because the way in which magic is set up in this world, right? A wand is your only thing basically to do magic for the most part, right? It is the way in which your magical connection can manifest itself. You need a wand to do magic. Magic somehow which is, can happen without the wand. But so the idea is that it, it is like the it is, and and it is funny that another question is that that to, to be able to do magic, right? You need a wand, and it is something that you must pay for. Mm-hmm. It is something that must be bought, which is rather odd, because a wizard is be wizard or which magical people in this world is completely defenseless without a wand, right? And the thing that you need to live... They're not always. That you must pay for this. This is just another, you know, just something we need to sort of... Uh, but I, but I, think, I think this is actually a, an important point. Because I think that the fact that Ron is has got this hand-me-down wand, I because it does, it, this does come up later. And all of this is groundwork for how the whole idea of wand lore and wand how wands work in their mm-hmm. world um, comes up I mean, at the very end. I mean, it's, it's the quintessential moment. Right. And so I think this idea of one with Ron with a hand-me-down wand is really kind of um, a deliberate lying down of some of the aspect of one study and one lore. And okay. the fact and it also, also, it also demonstrates how much the Weasleys, are outside of the usual way of people doing things because of the size of the family. You know, we, we say, you know, it doesn't make much sense when you could just conjure up all the money you want, but somehow or another that doesn't quite work um, in, in this world. And so the fact that this is just another symbol of just how poor and how outside of the big one, the big uh, magical families, the Weasleys have fallen. I don't know. For me, I, I that always struck me because I am like, it's either one or two things trying to happen. A wand is something that you have for life generally, unless it's damaged beyond magical repair, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that would have been my understanding. That you, you go to the place, you get a wand. Olivander seems to be the one in Western Europe. Well, at least in right. Great Britain. You know, um, he is the person. You get this wand, that's it. If you wish to change a wand, I'm assuming, you have to 
win a wand or whatever the case is with Subscriber. But I don't think, for me, it's just like, why would you hand down a wand to someone else? That other person presumably has to get a new wand, right? It mm-hmm. isn't like, it's like a watch, like, oh, I no longer need a watch. I got an Apple watch now. So you really your I mean? question is, why did Charlie get a new wand and hand it down to Ron as opposed to him keeping it and Ron getting the new wand? Is that really what your question is? Not so much. I mean, like, why Charlie gets a new one for whatever reason? He plays with dragons. We later find out. We come to fight. Right. So that could happen. But my thing is, like, why would you insist upon giving? I mean, yeah, someone had borrowed something like this because, because to me, a wand is not a just a. It's not just a mere artifact, right? It is the only thing that is needed. Everyone has one. Everyone must have one. You can't do anything. It seems as if, I think there was someone would explain at some point that once you get to school and you can control magic, you need a wand, right? Right. Your wand comes out for school. Like before, magic comes out of you in odd ways before you get to school and without a wand. But as you begin to harness it and control it, control it, it goes through the wand. And to me, it's just like, why are we having a hand-me-down wand? You know, because I reject this notion about, I have a question about the, the, the Weasleys being out of and they're being poor because I'm like, you literally have magic. Things don't have to look dirty. Things don't have to be broken. You can fix it. You know what I mean? Your house doesn't have to be in a state of disrepair. I think that that might be, you know, the, uh, one of those inconsistencies in the, in the, in the magical world. Like anything else, I mean, you would think logically that that was how it would work. But I think one of the things, the roles that the Weasleys play in the plot is the idea that things do not always work. Just follow the magical, you know, path or the magical outline. And I think that, you know, for for Molly, by the time she got to run, it was like, hey, take whatever wand is there. And, you know, that was kind of like part of Ron's feeling of being kind of outside of the important circle of his family, you know, when he when he's always trying to, to prove himself. So I think that all of that contributes to that per, to that perception of who Ron is and how Ron, as he continues to grow as a young man, how it plays out in his life. OK, so this, for me, this this seemed like the I, I, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Like. How it plays out itself, but for me, within the magical world, I would say, hmm, this is for me. I read that as being just an invention, just well, to make those themes work. I think Ron. that I think that nowhere do we get that. Um, we don't get a clear rule as to if the wizard or witch can only ever have one wand. We only know that the wand chooses the wizard. Doesn't mean that they can't go back and get a new one per se. Oh, so in the, in the, in this specific instance, you know, this serves two purposes, right? This sets us up to know that all wands, um, can be used by anyone, but they may not work as they should if they don't truly belong to you. So that's one important thing that this sets up. And then to the class issue, because if I remember correctly, um, Ron got Charlie's wand because Ron's was broken. So Ron had a wand and it was no, broken. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. And it had stuff coming out of it at some point. 
right? And he got, is this not that book? And no. Charlie gets a new job. And he, so he is the one who really needs the better wand or the new wand. So he's most worthy of the new Ron because, wand because Ron is still in school. So Ron gets the hand-me-down. Charlie got the new wand. No, 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 no. We don't get it on page. I'm, I'm pulling up pages now because that's what a lot of It says um, when Ron is speaking, everybody expects me to do as well as the others. But if I do, it's no big deal because they did it first. You never get anything new either with five brothers. I've got Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand, and Percy's old rat. So we don't really know per se why. We just know that he does have Charlie's. I mean, the issues about the wand being broken and stuff that happens. Happens in, in book two. That's later. And, that, and it's that and it's that one that's broken. I'm that's going through the show. Gets he gets a new one in book three. That's what you're thinking about, Janine. Okay. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't seem to make myself stop moving forward. <laughs> um, you know, to keep up with this podcast because I'm, I'm loving it so much. Like, I mean, right now, I today actually, I just started the Order of the Phoenix. Like, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. everything's jumbled in my head. But you, you right. were, you mentioned something else that I think it's very clear throughout that you can possess multiple wands and you can get other wands uh, as to how it would work for you might be another issue but you can possess other wands right. and keep other wands and do some level of magic with it but for me i just thought that you know that i understand the class issue my problem with this with that whole reference with the with the wand and even to a certain extent the robes etc etc is that those are magic those are precise precisely the things that magic can easily fix it is the thing that we think, oh, magic, that I would have ordinarily thought. You know, I know, like, it's weird, right? My, my socks has a hole in it, just magically fix it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like brand at new. one point, so, right, because it... The limitations of magic. I mean, but I does think it? They want the limitations of, the limitations, you know, we would think as, a, as muggles that magic can do all of these things. But I think early on, Rowling gives us the limit. There are limitations in magic. There and, are definitely limitations, but they don't really add up. They're not. If, they're, the rules don't. Things. Exactly. Right. Hermione, Harry breaks his glasses. Hermione fixes the glasses. So why can't we fix old robes? Yeah, right. because, we'll I mean, because this is a part of the tension that, for me, um, because Malfoy is set up as being because we have different elements, right? Harry is magical but lived in the Muggle world, right? Ron is all right. magical and lives in the magical world, right? Hermione is magical, right. uh, but not of magical stock and lives in the Muggle world, right? So you have right. the and the Malfoy are the direct opposite, right? They are like excessive, they're over the top. Even for other magical folks, it's like, they have peacock, like, wow, ooh, they're, doing, <laughs> they're over the top. And I think, I, Deb, I think you mentioned something about um, Malfoy marrying the money. I think you might be right, because I they're the, the, I think you're I, right about that I for sure. I have to go back and look at Goblet of Fire. I think it's when it comes up in Goblet of Fire. Because so it, it comes up in relationship to Durmstrang, to the school. 
Right. So there is no, uh, there is money. Um, I think the money. So there's a lot of excessive, and but because Malfoy keeps mm-hmm. hopping on this point, right? It's like these people are filthy, right? The the Weasleys. No need to. They right. have more children that they can take. But I mean, listen to me. That Malfoy is alive. There has to be some kind of higher force in the magical world because I. <laughs> I mean, the shit that comes out of that child's mouth, that he can still right. even utter a spell. Right. I mean, I mean he's no... like 11 years old, and he's talking much, he's throwing much shade, talking much crap, and <laughs> he doesn't even care. He barely holds it in around adults. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, And this is probably, this is clearly shit. I mean, you know when little children are speaking like that? It's the shit that their parents yeah. are saying, Right. So to right. me, it's just like, yeah. I would have fucked him up so badly. <laughs> like, he couldn't even utter a spell. He would have been doing non-verbal spells from the job. Just some of the things, it's just like, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, you look poor. But to say your mother have more children than they could meet, it's like, sir, you have caught... That's why, he, that's why he's you, surrounded by his henchmen. Because yeah. he knows better than to walk, to walk that road alone. Because he's surrounded by by guys who are nothing but brawn, and you know he's supposed to be the brains of the outfit, but that's mostly because you know to kind of intimidate people and to keep them from you know clapping back on him because he does let a lot of stuff come out of his mouth. But you know, isn't that interesting, right? That Malfoy takes around a Muggle approach, right? You know, oh yeah. That, like you, you don't need physical henchmen because. Crab and Goyle clearly don't know much magic, right? <laughs> like because <laughs> you know what I mean. But let me tell you something. Just another, just another side note. I would have been thrown out of that school in the first week because I would have been in that library loading every single drink <laughs> there is. I would have slow poisoned their asses every day, every day, because that line about having more children. I mean, you could say I look poor and raggedy. That's a whole other conversation. But to say right. some shit like that, that is like. You don't only you don't only cross the line. You blow up the whole line, sir. Oh, absolutely. Those, those are those are not fighting words. We you have declared war for life. <laughs> we about to, we about to get nasty game. So so I mean, you know what this also brings up like the amount of bullying that happens through this whole series, oh, yeah. and there's absolutely no hardly ever adult intervention until right. it becomes like a matter of someone might die. Literally. And I know that there are some adults, um, one of whom, which I live, would mm-hmm. say, you know, kids will be kids. No blood. Shut up. This is how you build character. Da, 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 da. But some of this and I don't fully disagree with that. Um, there are pieces of that that I would be like, yeah, let them go do their thing. But some of the stuff that happens in this so-called children's book is horrific. It is it's ugly. Like they are so mean and so nasty and defenseless in some ways to that. Like, and I think um, I, I'm trying to think because, you know, we all know that the world has changed greatly since we were children and even more so since our parents were children. Right. And, and there are some things that um, today there's no way in hell that these kids at Hogwarts would you know, of children that we know today in this world, if they behave this way, that they were, they would just be um, come down on by adults from on so many different angles and reasons. And a big one would be bullying. Well, the thing about it is that 
you you bring up an, an another point i think would not just be the excuse me the physical henchmen but the magical world school setting maybe this might just be a plot point because it's a children's novel it's set up no different from the regular world oh yeah that these people oh, yeah. have a sort of a power to do something mm-hmm. which they themselves um clearly mark themselves to be we are not humans right that we are we are somehow different and many carry this idea to be this is not this difference is inherently superior to ones who are attached to the muggle world um so they don't exactly say why well, make them if it's just the magic itself that mm-hmm. makes them superhuman uh, they don't even say human right they don't even necessarily describe themselves as human because but it's just remarkably like the muggle world, right? There's clicks immediately. Right. We'll have clicks or cliques, as it would say in England. Um, right off the bat, school mm-hmm. setting is like, you know, like we have the popular kids, the unpopular kids. Um, we ever do, we eat house with our group. We eat food. We, we, we do things with our houses. It's just rather very sort of an unusual um, setup. And, 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 and you're right. Bullying not just happens, no adults in their participation. And it's just like people are not just being silly, like, you know, I'm going to throw a water piece of paper, you know, water paper on you. They're going to get nasty. And they literally have weapons of mass destruction in their hands. Right. Right. I think that's why the folks, when we, you know, when we're talking last week, and, you know, I don't want to go back to that per se, but, you know, one of the reasons I think the books, immediately connected with kids that age. Um, we've, you know, of course, adults, we found something else, but the, they connected with kids that age because there was so much that they recognized in mm-hmm. terms of their own worlds and their own vulnerabilities and how much they felt that adults didn't, that outside of their, um, when they were in their world, adults just didn't understand mm-hmm. what they were trying to cope with and how they had to navigate and how you, you know, what, why you clung to your friends um, because it was so tough to kind of navigate, especially, you know, in America, this would have been middle school, you know, middle right. school is fraught. And um, so it really was, I think one of the reasons why it was so popular here in this country um, as opposed to other British imports was because folks immediately recognized those commonalities from their own worlds. And the bullying was part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is but isn't a, it interesting that we never call it that? It, like, I mean, the books don't call it that. It's just, right. it's, it is what it is. Well, the book sets it up it differently, right? The book oh, sets yeah. it up like it's not. This is not just a mere bullying rivalry, right? This is historical um, lines are being drawn here, mm-hmm. right? Based on some weird philosophical um, or ideologies, I should say, within that world, right? That, you know, you who inherently was attached to Voldemort are this sort of a class issue, like the Weasleys represent a certain type of people. But oddly enough, we never see anybody else like the Weasley, right? I was just going to ask that. Do we have any other so-called poor wizarding families? um, And in fact, they might be... They they seem to have more children than most people. Um, most people are only are only children. Um, you know, yeah, it's very odd. <laughs> well, they're twins, like the Patel sisters, right? I think um, all oh, they have two. 
I think two, three, you know, but it's just like people don't seem to have, uh, but you know, maybe again. they were a Catholic wizarding family. <laughs> <laughs> but you do know uh, them being redhead is rather interesting it's compared to the choice that um, in, in British law um, uh, superstitiously being a redhead was problematic you're touching kissed by the devil and they were um, interesting that they were um, almost adamantly redheaded that everybody mm-hmm. was a redhead. Right. Like, you know, she married another redhead. All of the kids became redhead. And that's a very unusual. You know what I mean? Like, someone would have, like... Because that's the first thing Draco says, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Redhead. You know, like, we know exactly who and what you are, right? It's almost like not only just the Malfoy feel the same way about the, about the Weasley. Like, yeah. everybody has opinions about the Weasley. Because even um, when we meet Luna, Luna is odd, whatever the case may be, but they seem to have some kind of money. You know what I mean? Luna doesn't seem to be a throwaway. Um, and even Hermione, who is from the Muggle world, she is she's well taken care of. She's well to do. So, you know... Well, this, right. But, you know, she doesn't seem to have money stress because she goes on holidays. I mean, like, she's she's living the life. I want to be Hermione, okay? Like, she, like she's, doing, <laughs> she's doing everything, right? She has a... It's even if coming to school is her vacation, right? Because she's living... But Hermione, in a lot of ways, is like so many... When you think about high-achieving, especially high-achieving females, I mean, she's going to have... She feels like um, that she has got to be twice as good um, you could say that's also kind of a, any kind of minority perspective. She feels mm-hmm. like she's got to be twice as good. Should she works, she's got to work twice as hard um, because she hasn't come from a magical family and she needs to constantly be one step ahead of where everybody else is. So mm-hmm. she, this, you know, which is at first is a source of annoyance for Ron and Harry and then later becomes, as you said, real the reason they're alive. So um, well, it, it it remains a source of annoyance to them throughout. But right, it does to a degree. But here's my thing, though. I mean, Hermione is often painted, as you say, right, the overachieving girl. You know, what I mean, trying to be a step ahead. But is she not, in fact, the like the smartest one in in how we use it in common term, right? Absolutely. Because, no, 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 no. I don't mean in terms of like the genius or whatever they keep to me because she no, is in smart, in smart in the sense like, this is the only way you can survive in this world. It's the only yes. way. Yeah. Magic is not instinctive. I mean, she's book smart. She's a problem solver. She's a critical thinker. You know, she she is the epitome of if you could take little pieces of people and build the person that you would want to be you would take those characteristics from Hermione you would want that like I mean really what are you taking from Ron come on I'll wait no but I mean <laughs> I'm serious but, I want to hear you no, you're absolutely right about that. but I mean that I mean that in a very like even much more like in a tom of like in the way in which we think of Harry and Ron like the survivalist the practical sure. one Hermione yeah. is being the most one is being the most practical one because yes. because every one of the great wizards that we have been mentioned 
they all do well in school. And I don't understand how this goes by Harry every single year in school. I'm like, boo, you see that thing you're sitting down there doing? Like, literally. The reason why Dumbledore is the way he is, is he did his schoolwork. He did his homework. I don't understand how you are missing that point. Particularly since someone who comes from, who didn't grow up in that magical world. That boy never opens a textbook unless he absolutely must. And mm-hmm. that's, that kind of frightens me in many ways because there are moments we would see throughout that, you know, where he literally looks at Hermione and be like, you solve this. You do this. Right. And I'm like, the fuck? She was in the same classroom as you. Like, she didn't hear something different. They're not talking to Hermione by herself. Like, you are in this classroom and you would think that you have this mission and purpose that would, would develop. And this this dude does nothing different. But nothing I think it different. takes it takes Harry a while to grow into being Harry. Yep. But right, but even but but that's my point. Even as he grows into Harry, right, where he becomes, he has this singular focus and purpose, right? Of you know avenging his mm-hmm. parents' death. Right. He takes no real concrete step. In order to really come, his approach is not a magical approach. No. And the only way in which you can, and the only way in which you can deal with this problem is literally through magic. That it requires magic in order for this to happen. And I I say all of this to say because then it it puts Hermione in this very odd place that, that, you know, J.K. Rowling has said that, you know, Hermione is this, you know, her favorite character and she's bringing that woman's balance and whatever the case may be, but to me, Hermione then occupies this traditional role of being, solving men's problems and just become, it's just a plot point. Like, she doesn't have any real agency for herself. She's just a plot point. That whenever these things get dicey, you know, and, and, and the, 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 it's Hermione there. And I would say this because if we get to the point where they actually, where the, the friendship, the Trinity is actually forged, is defeating the mountain troll, right? And right. that becomes them saving Hermione. When in fact, Hermione is the one who really has the actual tools to actually save herself. But then she turns into a whimpering girl, screams and hides. No, I, I think it's also not just turning into a whimpering girl. I mean, I think it's also in terms of um, her, that's where Hermione loses her own trust in what she already knows. And I don't think that that's 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 necessarily a female plot point. I think it's it happens again. Remember when the was it what was the the the, the plant? That was um, that had that had uh, right. encouraged them, the and she snare. forgets, you know, the devil snare. She forgets for a moment that she's a witch, that she knows yeah. how to get out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like the crisis because she didn't grow up in that world, and I think because she has learned all of this, she has really. It's like she put on that cloak of being a witch, but it wasn't. She didn't grow up in it, and so. As long as everything is all things being equal, she can think her way out of a circumstance 
But I think when she finds herself in a crisis mode, like she is still, you know, she still thinks, oh, I don't know what to do. Because at that moment, you know, anybody, it's, it's human nature. You know, the brain will switch off, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of fight or flight type of thing. And I think that's what happened to her in those circumstances. But I don't think I don't think it's really just um, just a stereotype or a plot point. I think Hermione is a person or represents in the in the trio the, the person who has a particular set of gifts in terms of her ability to learn all of this stuff and the ability to um, think her way through, like you said, Janina, she's a problem solver. She is, she is the thinker of the group and not the reactor. Harry is a reactor. And so that's when you say he's not thinking about doing magic. He is just really thinking about reacting because he's been raised right. in a thing. It's like a child of alcoholics. He's been raised to just keep a worry eye on what adults might do to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And so he, and to react. So I think that that's where you see the distinction between the three of them. If we're, you know, that, that that Hermione is just really trying to think her way, and oftentimes it doesn't. And occasionally, work. And I, I think know. as the story goes on and as the series continues, the point that Deb is making gets stronger. So I I think there I think it's both. I do. I think that um it just depends on how you really, you know, how, how, how you look at it and how you see it. I mean, I, I see, I can totally see both. I see this person who, you know, yes, you got to solve these problems for these stupid boys all the time. And you don't always get credit for it. Most of the time you don't. But at the same time, she grows so much through this series and um i think as they get older and they move through school together ron and harry appreciate her more and our our um their ability to see what the value that she brings to them grows i don't think that um so i think it starts off very basic and she's the smart girl and and we're smart to have her on our side type of thing because we can use her but i don't think that's the balance of the relationship by the time we're done not even close so Mm -hmm. which is you know nice too to be able to see that grow as you guys have both said which i'm not super familiar with the magical world outside of harry potter um that this type of thing doesn't typically happen from what I understand. They, the characters don't grow, they don't age, they don't mature. Particularly in children literature, it's like right. you would have the development over the course of a book, but not right. necessarily, it wouldn't address the things that J.K. Rowling is pointing to, specifically puberty mm-hmm. in fantasy. Right. Like she addresses... Go ahead, she, addresses, she, she addresses the psychological um, issues okay. within puberty, not necessarily the physical um, bits, you know, like she's not talking about um, menstruation and, you know, voice breaking. That's Judy Bloom sort of thing. But Judy Bloom is dealing with real world issues. She's in the real world. But um, Rowland, I think, she definitely addressed, like you can definitely feel that this is a teenager talking here mm-hmm. this is a 13 year old here this right. is this is harry at 11 it's completely different than harry at 17 and mm-hmm. and it's not just the experiences that really um 
that is not just regular the experience that is shaping him. Like he's completely crazy in book five. In book five, in book right. five he's like completely out of control. I mean, like it's just like, dude, calm the fuck down. Like, you know, but it's just like, but it's, it's like he's just like this is just complete teenage angst. Where you know, like, where it's just self-centered and everything is me. Like, you know, like you're doing this to me. Like, you don't know anything. Like, you know, like oh my god, you know, like this complete, like you know, this complete breakdown, and everyone is just like. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, we not only know what you're talking about, we've even experienced this more than you have. You right. know what I mean? Like, like, you don't know, you know, and then you, you get a completely different character in book six and book seven. You know, that there is such a, that's, I would say, one of the stroke of genius in, within this series is that Harry is the same, but yet so different. And you, you can feel and understand why he is the way he is. Right, her her, yeah. her character development, I think, is usually outstanding for me, for the most part. Hermione, in this case, I what Deb is saying, I can see that point being drawn, and you can make that argument. But I feel that as you go on in the books, that my argument becomes strong as well. That Hermione becomes it's just in many ways a plot device that she doesn't get her full agency and range. That's <coughs> But I well, am open to being dissuaded of my opinion. I look forward to that, actually. Well, I think that, you know, we can we can revisit this as as we move through the series. But we've been talking for nearly 50 minutes and have barely talked about the book. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let, let, let's just let's talk about, like, you know. The plot of the program. The plot itself, like what's actually going on here and what is this, you know, we said before that we we are kind of assuming that anyone li- that's listening to this has already read the series. So let's talk about, you know, how, what happens and, and how significant these little crumbs that are being lied are because, man, is it good. It is, it, it's so... I've just I've read this and I've experienced it so many times and every time when I'm not rushing to get through it because I just want to know what happens, you know, and you get to just soak it all up. You go, oh, my gosh, I remember this being brought up again, you know, like three books Mm -hmm. later, four or five. And it's so good. So let's talk about that a little bit. In book one, um, one of the well, we did not answer Reels' trivia question from last week. Yeah, did is that. it answered in this book? It is answered. I yeah, think it is answered that. in this book. It is. So your question was how Deb many did, staircases okay, there are, there are there in I, Hogwarts? Who uh, Deb? Did I, you did you go research? I actually, now I can't find out where it is, but I I. I it was so funny because the, when I picked up the book again after we talked, it was like the next page. Oh, <laughs> and I can't find it again. Um, it's 142. But, and yeah. it is mentioned of Harry the very next day at school. So the first day after the feast, day two, and he's going around trying to figure out how to get around navigate school. And he realized the castle is alive. Right. The castle moves, creek disappears. Portrait moves all over and everything is interconnected. So, uh, 
I think we can also think about the plot in terms, you know, it's much more, it's much easier to see it in Goblet of Fire, but there actually are a series of tests in the Sorcerer's Stone that, um, that the trio goes through. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you think about it, they first, they start off with, um, you know, the, the troll, when you think about the various things that they go through together, the troll, you think about them, um, the, the midnight dueling, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, and so then that gets them to the, they have to, they go to detention, you've got the forest. So they've got a series of things that they, that they have to go through. It's much more, and then at the very end, you know, you have that whole series of, of tests with the chess, with the with the with the de, um the devil snare there. Um, the 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 uh, chess the potion key chain or keys so there are all of these various problems that they have to solve in order to come through on the other side and so there are all these in addition to these these things that are threatening them they're also having to learn how to they have to navigate the school itself Right. And as you got wheels with the staircases and the, you know, getting the password and going into the common room. I mean, it's not easy just moving around in this place. So yeah, got to learn all of those things as well as you know cope with this, um, the threat that they don't know until the very end where it's coming from. Um, the other thing that we kind of we sort of like look over just they sort of added Harry realized that he can be popular in the magical world. Um, he can play Quidditch and he can fly seemingly instinctively. Well, we would come to know that that's not necessarily instinctively, but, um, for the back of a better word, he not only can fly instinctively well, that him being tiny and underfed from the muggles, from the Dursleys, <laughs> that's coming. It's very coming handy. handy. You're like, <laughs> Well, malnutrition is a major plus, right? This is also, Um, you know, where these these relationships get plotted out for us. Like, Harry is constantly doing something that should get him in trouble and traditionally would get people in trouble. But he keeps he he benefits from it time and time again. And we see it. One of the first times we see it in book one is when he, uh, they're in Madame Hooch's classes, time to learn how to fly. And of course he and Malfoy are going at it. And then who, you know, so they're flying, they're not supposed to be flying. And, uh, it's, it's McGonagall, right? Who comes and, you know, Potter, you're in trouble, blah, blah, blah. You're not supposed to be doing this. And, um, but then, oh, look what I found. I found you a seeker. So it's like, we see this repeatedly of things that he shouldn't be doing, but on some some way there is an adult elevating his bad behavior, really. Right. And I think this is the first time that we see it, and it benefits him over and over and over again. Um, but we the reader, though, we have the reader don't see it that way, though. Not we yet. We the reader see yeah. Harry Potter is being anti-bullied. Right, he's standing up to saving someone else's life. Right, well, right. He was. It's Neville's remember all. Remember all and, that um, he tries to go for, right? And, yeah, and, and now tries to put it up in a tree. And I mean, so, can I get one of those? Champion, <laughs> right? I need it. Oh, I definitely need. It. <laughs> I know I would lose mine, so I rather not. 
So he's a champion, you know, with as the reader, we see it as a, we see him as a, being a champion because mm-hmm. Malfoy is bullying Neville and he's talked about Neville like a dog and called him a lump and everything. And then Harry, you know, speaks up for Neville and then try and rescues uh, when he's doing this illicit flying. He's doing it to to rescue uh, Neville's re- remember all. Right. And in turn lands him, you know, the spot on the Quidditch team as the youngest seeker in 100 years. But right. it's also at this point where something where the major plot point comes up. Where the children are under the impression that someone is out to kill Harry. Yes. That something right. that the, the broom, which is supposed to be. I can't even begin to tell you how much I hated the fact that these people are writing on brooms. I was like, the fuck? Like, I love it. So old, I love it. Like, that's is, the part that I, that's what I love. This is 1990s. And y'all are riding what on did, a broomstick. What did you stick? want them to be on? I mean, I wanted them to fly. You could do With that. With no assistance? The only people that can fly are what? Uh, Voldemort and Dumbledore? Let me tell you something. Not to get ahead of our heads ourselves. But in the seventh book, when Voldemort is flying, and everyone is like, without broomstick ancestral. And they're like, oh, my God, this is evil. I'm like, oh, my God, this is magic. It's <laughs> magic. Okay? Like, I don't well, understand one, it. One like, tropes, you... tropes in magic is that flying is, is a higher, much higher level of magic. And it's not at the immediate fingertips of every single person, who, even people who are magical. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait well, a minute. Y'all literally have a girl who stands there and turns herself into whatever she wants to turn herself into. She could turn herself right. into a pig. You literally have a flying horse. You, you literally <laughs> have unicorns. Right. You have a flying horse that you can only see when you see death. And someone <laughs> flying without a broomstick ancestral is the most amazing thing and shocking thing. Like you're like, oh my god, this is magic a step too far. Get out of here. Well, you there are lots of restrictions on on things like I mean, remember you can't apparate in certain places. Um, well, I, that is not because even of magic acting upon it, though. Yeah, but I mean, uh, then, but that's a type of flying when you when you're flying when you're moving from one place to the other without a broom and without um, a festival or anything else, like you know. But there, but there are all these restrictions on it. Like you got to use flu powder. You know, there, right. there's certain restrictions. Has a distant limit. You can't operate. Right. And the I know apparition has a distant limit, just the way you can apparate and disapparate. But you and also I do know that magic can prevent. There is anti-apparition jinx that I get that can be put on someone and can be put in a place. Like Hogwarts has supposed to have these magical spells and whatever that prevent people from just walking and wandering in. Though how they got rid of that dragon, no one needs to tell me. Dumbledore knew that shit was happening because, and he just removed the spell from people can just fly into the school. But I mean, that always (laughs) surprises me. I'm like, why? You're so pissed about them coming to get that dragon. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they're not supposed to just come into the school, but, and, and Hagrid, motherfucker, you have a dragon. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, what is it? Guys, when I went to when I went to LeakyCon last fall, it was one whole session on the lack of the on security or the lack thereof at Hogwarts. <laughs> preach, on it, preach on it, Deb. Preach on it. 
they kept saying over and over again, the safest place in the world was Hogwarts. The panelists were like, you've got to be kidding me. And so they're not talking about all the times that everybody was at risk in Hogwarts. So it was not exactly the safest place. Well, it was the safest place for Harry. Was it? <laughs> not really. Got Harry's safety is endangering everybody else's. That's the problem. Always, right? So in in Sorcerer's Stone, when did you... Okay, so tell me when you... um, When did you start to hate Snape? Because this is when we really start to hate him, right? It's it's this book, and then but but then just like every other one, um, <clears throat> at the end you don't know. And I didn't know. Because we're as as I go back to one of the people I heard speak say, remember this is all being seen through the perspective of an eleven year old boy, right? So and so his limitations in terms of his understanding of people and their motives, it becomes our limitation as the reader. Mm-hmm. So. He, when when Harry sees Snape at the head table um, at the first night, and he he thinks it's Snape's face that is making his scar hurt. Yeah, so we, we are led to believe that there's something wrong with Snape right at the very right beginning. away. And right I totally away. bought it. Did you? I mean, like I, did I not actually you didn't. I, I did. I did. I did. I did. Why didn't you? Real the potion class. Especially after the oh, first yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because, here, again, we go back to this, like, yes, Snape is being a complete asshole, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, and we would learn. But I didn't hate Snape until the seventh book. Because wow. when I got the story, I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Really? You are literally this petty. Well, you can't go there yet. I know that, but but that I didn't. But for me, because there is always this in, I guess, in children, it's a common um, um, the evil te- thing. Yeah, the evil teacher, and you know, like he's wearing black, and you know what the case may be. And Dumbledore, whenever you want to be like, oh, Dumbledore always said, you know, like he insisted upon Harry, don't just say Snape. You know, people would say McGonagall, right? And that he says, you know, it's Professor Snape, right? right. That he that there seemed to have been Dumbledore always stressed. That to me, I just like, okay, I'm clearly not getting all of the information to to me to hate him because in many ways Snape is being obnoxious. I think the most I found him obnoxious was in the third book. I was like, but people were saying the thing, right? You're literally letting a petty grudge get the best of you in a situation like that. That upset me only because in insofar as that it denied Harry the chance of having, you know, the Godfather situation there. That upset me. But, you know, I didn't really, I mean, I took it for what, you know, like this was a petty thing that was going on. And and again, Snape was kind of right. Harry, you need to fucking study. You weren't doing your schoolwork. Like, (laughs) you weren't. Like... And Snape mentioned something in the very first class that becomes a plot point in the sixth book. What is that? The, with the um, with the poison, the anti-poison yeah. um, thing, 
He mentioned that in the first uh, the Beatles stone from the goat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And again, it's just like it's so integral to this whole thing. I mean, but I I'll be honest. I hated him. I hated him, and I didn't hate him any more than I hated him at the end of six. Like I was like, oh, you motherfucker. You know, like I I. Even though time and time again it was proven that um, he didn't do it, right? Ultimately, he didn't do it, and Dumbledore trusted him or whatever. But we see little Actually, mistakes that Dumbledore it. makes. He did he, do it because at he, Dumbledore, he did but do it. it. In my mind, he did it. It was Dumbledore's direction. Please, I told you guys. I I, I went to a session and we did an hour on Severus. Please. But I mean, no, I mean strictly. I know, I. But okay, let's let's back up. Think of it as hold on, reels. Mm -hmm. Hold on, think of it as being a very first time reader. Mm -hmm. You don't know the end, Mm -hmm. and you're and you're going through this. So at the end of book one, you have gone through the emotions of Snape is an asshole. Oh my God, I can't believe he's treating a student like this. Oh wait, he attracts—he actually tried to help Harry. That wasn't him jinxing the broomstick. Maybe he's not so bad. Back to, yeah, he's a motherfucker. You go through that set of emotions many, many times before you find out who he truly is. I don't think that you can be sure. I, I don't think that you can truly pick a side on Snape until probably Goblet of Fire. That's actually, where, I mean, I for me, I I don't think that I was really sure. When I didn't feel sure about Snape, and I still wasn't sure, but I was leaning for that he might be good. But I always had this as a first-time reader thinking, gosh, you know, Dumbledore can't be that good, right? Maybe Snape is playing him this whole time. But I don't think that I felt until Goblet of Fire when Voldemort is back and he makes the dark marks come alive on their arms and Snape didn't go right away and kind Mm -hmm. of hit it. I, it wasn't until then that I thought, okay, maybe, maybe he really isn't with Dumbledore because it's the end of that book when he leaves, Dumbledore says, now you know what you must go do. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, but having been through this series more times than I care to count, mm-hmm. yeah, you can see it more clearly that maybe Snape isn't the bad guy per se. But, I mean, as a first-time reader, for sure you think that Snape is setting Harry up. I did. I mean- I mean, I don't, I, again, I, I go back to this, like, you know, I read Snape as being the quote-unquote evil villain, particularly since no other teacher had any strong particular feelings for Harry, right? No one doted over Harry, per se. It wasn't like Professor Flitwick was just like, oh my god, Harry Potter's in my class. Like, like there was no real excitement. You understand what I'm saying? Everyone treated him nonchalantly. I mean, we would come to think that we would come I think to he was it. definitely a villain. I think he's certainly a villain. And but, he certainly hates Harry. There's no doubt about that. But it wasn't him who was constantly trying to kill him. That's what I'm saying. But I thought for a long time that yeah. it was. And I hated him so much at the end of the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, my freaking God. Really? 
That yes. man wrote, listen to me. That man took down Bellatrix without a wand. Like, took her down. Like, dressed her down to the ground. I have listened to that meeting, that confrontation with Bellatrix and um, I know Severa. you're telling me that that's going to be an amazing listen to me. In the, that is such in the a sweet... Listen to me. Let me tell you something. The level of shade Professor Snape can give you. It is, oh, listen to oh, me. he's amazing. And that's my point. Shade is... I mean, Snape was... I mean, like, I know. I'm not even looking at the hindsight of the, the, the whole seventh book. You know what the case I mean? All I'm simply saying is that it goes back to my point is that Harry is entering into a magical world, right? That you know nothing about magic. It is your... You have developed in your mind that you must go after Voldemort, right? Like, he says this, this becomes a purpose for him in book one. I must thwart him from doing whatever he needs to do. I'm, if I can't get to an adult tell them, I will take that responsibility over myself. And as you can see, I think in every book, he stops telling adults what he's doing. You know what I mean? He tries, it doesn't happen, but he just, he doesn't mm-hmm. try to overly try to get the adults, right? He takes on this responsibility by himself, for the most part. And mm-hmm. my thing is that you're in this world, and again, what Snape is saying, he's an asshole, that is true. But I have found that teachers who have always hated me, Oh, who I believe in my mind hated me. They wanted the best out of me. And they were right. If I was doing shit in class, I needed to prove myself in the classroom. And Harry just never did any of that. But did you ever know that in the moment? You don't know that in the moment. You know that looking back after you're older and wiser. In the moment, you think that this person is out to get me. They hate me. Why are you doing this? But here's the thing, thing, Janina, though. We can figure that out by the work that I produce, right? Because they're going to give me back my work and put a comment in there, right? And it, it, it's not a hate. You understand what I'm saying? They're going to put a comment in there and it's either I was right or I was wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? And for me, as I like to say something, I don't want... You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to be doing, going down, putting my head down to be twice as hard. To do work twice as hard. Because I need to shut them up. I need to prove to them that I am not what they, what I believe they think that they are. You understand what I'm saying? That I'm not saying that Snape is this is, but because Snape, I think Snape is the only teacher that is the contemporary of his parents. Um, we would find out, right? Well, yes. one of the like everyone else is older and knew the parents to some capacity, may have taught their parents, right? Snape is one of the right. youngest teachers at the school, and you know because and in many ways, whenever I may have been inclined to hate Snape, someone given an explanation as to what it is, we find out in the end of book one that Snape wasn't trying to kill him. So to me, just like, mm, this might be a misunderstanding, right? And, you know, Snape is just being an asshole because he's in Slytherin, right? Because, you know, he wants points for Slytherin. And so I just chalked up much of it. I didn't well, I think by the end of... Beyond just... I think at the end of book... I think at the end of book one, when we find out that Snape isn't the one who's, you know, put Harry in all these compromising situations... um the reason why I still didn't like him because I was like thinking you're that petty. Like you're that petty. You are taking out on a child. What his father, his dead father at that did to you when you were in school. Come on. Well, that even, that to a certain extent even seem odd to me. Um, just for that bit too, because though I accepted because, because I was like, you would have known the mother. Right? 
because that was, I think somehow that was established that they went to school together, right? But that was never mentioned. So I kept saying, hmm, it was kind of odd. And like with Dumbledore, I just figured, I just didn't take it on. I just knew that when the sixth book came along, I was like, why are we here? Why are we at his house? I was like, oh, okay, something is about to happen with this character. So I just, I didn't invest too much into necessarily hating things. But like I said, I mean, if you look at it, that Snape was genuinely trying to help Harry. He really did. He and, was, but I don't think you get that. Harry, I don't think that's super clear in the beginning. But Because Hermione never failed the class, so Snape wasn't spiteful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hermione wasn't, it, this to me, a lot of it is just like, I just always, Harry was just a poor student. Well, I just, I just always kind of felt like Snape was a power player, and I'm gonna put you in your place, I'm gonna knock you off your high horse, and that the yeah. underlying issue is because I don't like your parents. She so I, I never first comes. Yeah, yeah, and he's just so nasty, you know. And it's just when you see an adult treating children that way, I was just like, oh my god, oh. wow. <laughs> there is no asshole. doubt that he's. There's no doubt that he's being a nasty asshole teacher. Well, I, my but, point is because he does all of this, it made it always made me question his loyalties. Because the problem isn't what he does or doesn't do; it's the moral issue of if you behave this way, could you really be something else? That's how it was for me. Oh, well, I, I just, I, I just knew a lot of teachers who behaved this way. So to me, it was just I did to, not. I did not grow up in that type of environment. <laughs> I'm just like, no, absolutely oh. not. Snape is one of those like assholes. He, so, Deb, I want to hear about. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, discussion of he did it, or is that for later? Which one? He, you said you went to a conference and um, oh, yeah. had a long discussion on. Because the whole point was was this was this Snape acting out or was it Snape acting under direction of Dumbledore? And I think we, we, we find for, we didn't, and at the time, I think only the, I don't think the seventh book was out. So we didn't okay. really know. We just knew okay. Severus, please. And so the discussion was, was that Severus, please don't do this. Or was that Severus, please, you know what I've asked please you to do. Please do it. Yeah, please yes. do it. Okay. Um, and so, so that's, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Right. That's where the, 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 okay. the, the, the back and forth was, you know, we had some people in the camp of Snape has always been a, a bad actor. And so he this was his mm -hmm. chance to get rid of Dumbledore. And then you had the people who were saying, no, Snape is working with Dumbledore. So if he does this, it's because Dumbledore wants him to. So, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. We will we will definitely take a deep dive into that. I have many, many thoughts and many, many emotions. <laughs> <laughs> that I remember, like I read it yesterday. <laughs> so, but you know, to we we we're gonna get through book one today. We are. So this. Uh, are. So I think that um, as we've touched on throughout, you know, this conversation, this is where everybody's roles kind of get set up. Um, as far as our three main characters, um, and how they're gonna behave throughout the rest the story although i'm never quite sure what ron's role is i know he has one Apparently but it's weird really and I can't, that's it. well that's i it. mean but there's always but there are always <laughs> things that ron does that matter right always right. there's always right. some little piece but he you know harry is a fighter 
right? He can he can fly, which helps him be a good fighter. He is a good wizard, and um, that helps him be a good fighter. I don't think Hermione. Harry's a good fighter, is, but okay. I think, but I think I go back to my my statement from earlier. I think Harry is a reactor, and I think his he, he and I think that's probably why the Sorting Hat put him in Gryffindor after all mm-hmm. was, you know, he acts and, he, and you could say there's a kind of bravery or he runs to, he runs of, to danger. He runs yeah, to danger. There is no question it. about him. And, well, maybe I'm mistaking that for being, I mean, I say he's a good fire because he seems to always get out of it. And it usually ultimately is something that he did. Um, it, at the very end, it might have taken a lot of people to get him there, but it is usually it, it's him in the very end. As it, I mean, I guess as it should be because it is you know about he Harry Potter, but a plan, he doesn't have a plan. right. He never has so a plan. he, so he's the, so he's our fighter, even though if he's not the planner of the fight, Hermione is the brains, and then Ron is always just kind of throwing something in there. I mean, like. There's, a, I don't think his role is as clear defined. He's a witness. Ron is a witness. But Ron, <laughs> um, is, Ron is the one who really knows the wizarding world. You know, right. he, from the from in the, You're in right. the book in the first book because he knows wizard chess. Yes, he You're is right. able to do. He is able to do that. And we and each each subsequent book, it is some little piece of wizarding. The thing that Ron discounts, which is grown up in this house full of wizards and being at the bottom has actually helped because it is some little piece of in, intrinsic knowledge that he has grown up oh with gosh. that he's able to bring to the table each time. And I, I have never considered this. I love you. Like we said that, Janina. I don't know. You're crazy. <laughs> no, but I've never put it together. Put it no, but I've me. honestly, I have always put it in my, I'm like, what is it that he brings? Because it is always something, but you just put a nice little bow on it. And I, it is the fact that he grew up in this world and he's able to explain things to Harry and Hermione that they don't right. know because they grew up in the Muggle world. That's, I thank you for that bow. And let well, me have my moment, Reels. No, I'm being excited. I, no, I learned something today. We talked about it in the sense that with the Trinity, right? And that we said that, you know, Harry is a stranger to both the magical and real world. Hermione mm-hmm. is a straight is, is familiar with the real world and you know, like she consumes magical world theoretically and mm-hmm. Ron right. just exists within this magical world which gives gives them access to things and understanding of ways of because I think Ron as you I think go back the little bit of information that you're talking about, Deb, it's typically that thing that they don't understand to be law. That this is this is just the way in which the Ron sort of like underlines the fundamental world of magic in a sort of a way like, oh, so this is just how chess is. The pictures yeah. move. This these these are just given. You know what I mean? Like to explain that you None might of think it's weird to are, him. Right. You you think these things are really magical way, but this is just how these are just like the way in which magic operates in the air in this environment. Right? right. Like, you know, like right. um these things won't work in the magical world as opposed to here. Like, what do you mean that 
pictures don't move. Like, why is well in the very beginning on the train when Harry gets his Dumbledore chocolate frog card and he looks at it and he's like, oh my gosh, it's moving. And then he says it's gone. And Ron's like, well, you can't expect him to hang around, can you? You know, it's like this is like, gosh, Harry, don't be, don't be stupid, you know. And Harry's like mesmerized, like, wow, this, this is what, what's going on here? And Ron's like, duh. So we we do get that a lot for him. From we get it a lot. You know and I never appreciated him in that way, ever, till right that's now. That's what bothers <laughs> me about Harry, right? And I can understand Ron's resentment. It's because Harry is someone who doesn't grow up in magical world, right? And you enter the magical world and you're this famous person. But this dude has no real sense of curiosity about the magical world unless he is faced with it. Like, like he just never well, how- opens up. Because to me, it's like... I don't think that's fair. I mean, because honestly, what he he does ask questions. I mean, he certainly does. But how do you even know? If if you are completely just put into a world that you don't even know exists, how do you even know what questions to ask when you haven't even seen it yet? Like, even when you do say, I think it would be like such sensory sensory overload. Like, I don't know. What do you... Where do you even start? What did you want him to do? Here's what I say, right? Because um, he never reads any of the textbooks that they have unless he has to do homework, right? And even that seems to be a struggle. Um, this is the place, and, and why since he doesn't seem to be curious is because the magical world is the only place where he really fits in, right? Because he there is no place in the real world for him, right? There is no family that wants him. There are no friends there. There is nothing there for him, right? This is your place of survival. This is the place where you can breathe. You, you, you never want to go home for holidays or anything like that. He never leaves mm-hmm. the magical world except by train, beginning and the end, right? And I'm just saying that if this is the place where you want to live, right, that you feel most at ease uh, in, ever in your first time in your life, and there is someone who's trying to kill you, you best believe I'm not only going to be vigilant, I'm going to be reading, right? Like, because he doesn't your survival, know. Because, because everyone else can afford to be just like whatever, right? Because no one else has a, He's a reactor. This is what his personality has grown into from having lived under the stairs, is that he reacts. He does not pro, he's not a proactive person like you're describing. I mean, not till much later. Right. But he is a person who, when he when he when he is presented at 11 years old, he is a kid who is just who has been used to reacting to whatever the world puts in front of him, and so that's what he does for most of the first book, is he reacts, mm-hmm. and I think that that's you know gradually he becomes a person who is able to take that what he learns. And to make plans and to anticipate and to do some things differently. But when we first meet right. him, he is the typical abused. You talked about abused kid real last last time. He is the typical abused kid who reacts to whatever comes down. Well, I, I guess I guess my I guess it's just how I understand. I guess my thing is just that I would typically. I can't expect, <coughs> but my reaction had I been in this place, uh, if I were a Harry, put in Harry's position, that I would have been far more proactive 
particularly mm-hmm. not just because because it's something that I often when just like and he says it I think in one point in one of the books later on it's just like my God I was with Dumbledore so many times right and I never equal, asked, I, I never yeah. asked any real question you know what right. I mean and I'm just well like, I. I think you have to try to remove yourself from saying this is what I would have done and this is how I think that I would have reacted because, you know, like Deb is saying, he's a reactor, but he's also, we cannot forget that he's a very abused person on yeah. every, so many different levels. So he, he probably, we know that he has a sense of wonder to this world. That is very clear, but he probably, especially at this stage um, of the development of his character, he doesn't, who does he really trust and feel safe with? Um, and if you don't have that, who are you going to ask questions? You know, well, who? And it, it, it may seem simple to just be like, well, why don't I ask my friend who grew up in this? But when you're never allowed to even ask about your parents when that brings you punishment, why would you expect him to go into this new space and immediately behave completely differently than he's ever behaved? We have to keep that, that in mind. He does do that in many ways, though. Because what I'm in some ways, but we can't. He's not a new person just because he left, you know, Pivot Drive. No, because why I say this is because it becomes very clear, right, as the books go on, that how important it is. Because I mean, we get in the sixth book that Dumbledore is just like, I have to take over your education. Do you understand what I'm saying? That he understands that him being the key. And Harry doesn't do anything different, though. But, you know, uh, going along the line that you just mentioned, Deb, about, and, and you, Janine, about him being an abused child, something that I said, I mean, it seems as if, in many ways, I think he doesn't even necessarily feel safe in this magical world. Because anything yeah. could be up, up, upended at any point. And that's kind of true, because his whole time we see him in the book, there were so many unstable things, right? Where... He's constantly, his life is constantly in jeopardy, right? That he doesn't, that even in this safe Hogwarts, he's never safe. That so many things seem to be coming, you know what I mean, towards him. Okay. There's another reason why he probably wouldn't be too curious. But I'm just saying, though, dude, like, lonesome magic. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like... (laughs) I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just annoyed by that. I guess it's the geek or nerd in me that here you are yeah. in a world which is brand spanking you, and to facilitate your way in this world is through education. <laughs> Everyone who is anyone in this place, Madame Bones, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, Voldemort, Hermione, all the people who are brilliant in their age, your parents, they all studied and they researched and they did the work. But you're just going off of instinct? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. right. That's, I think you're right. That is, you, that is just so classic about, white boy about, syndrome. Hero, right? Think about Voldemort. Voldemort was, um, he was so smart. I mean, he really, in, in addition to being cunning, you know, it, you think the brains it took to do what he did, which we will mm-hmm. see played out from book two on, um, you know, he was, you're right. He So he had to have studied Snape, where he making up his own um, uh, potions and his own spells. So you're, you're absolutely right. But I think in this first book, Harry is really coming out of shock almost. Um, and, yeah. and 
little bit shell-shocked in terms of now for the first time. I mean, hell, for the first time, he's getting enough to eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there are the new year's game. Right. But it's like Maslow, in terms of the hierarchy, we're still in the basic needs. needs. But I draw this parallel to him and Voldemort because, I mean, we would see how that connection is actually played out in like literal and figurative sense. But to me, I look at Voldemort where Voldemort's behavior would have been somewhat like I thought I would have done. Because mm-hmm. hair is this thing. I don't know if I would have been able to control it as he did at the beginning, right? But I would have been fascinated by it, right? You know what I right. mean? I would have because I would have, I think Harry by now, Harry would have known, but Harry never drew the parallel to be like, maybe it's me, right? But that, because then again, the, the, the weirdness for his family, they knew what he was and they were trying to break that. So I understand Harry. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it, right? That, maybe that's what it is, right? Whereas Voldemort yeah. never had any sort of like guidance or whatever over there. His, his, he was allowed to operate in secrecy. Whereas right. in Harry, and if it ever showed out openly, they would be like, you're, you're, something is wrong with you. But right. to me. And that's why, I, that I, that's why I say that I, like behavior in book one and his, I, I don't, I'm not willing to say he doesn't have a thirst for knowledge, but I think that, mm, um, I think that it's a, no, I, I honestly think it's a completely appropriate reaction for him to not go out and seek it, given that everything that we know about him up until this point, every time he tried to seek out anything, whether it be food, knowledge, fresh air, he was punished every single time. So I think it, at this stage in book one, as a new reader, again, you, I mean, you got to kind of, you know, if we look at it that way to not know what happens down the line, we don't know if you're reading this for the first time, you don't know if that's going to change. You don't know if he's going to get better at looking for things. But given where he came from, I didn't find his behavior even a little bit weird. I thought it was appropriate to someone who has been, you know, always shoved down every time they try to get up, especially as a child. So, right. you know, I think if that continues to happen, then, yes, that's a bigger issue. What you're saying, Reels, <laughs> as far as not not using the tools right in front of you to learn and better yourself. Yeah. But at this point, I don't I don't think it's that strange that he wouldn't do that. I can't wait for us to get to book three because there's going to be a point where I want you to tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. But I, I just want to. Of course, you never think you're wrong. Oh, I'm a Leo. <laughs> I mean, it is the way it is. But I would say that, you know, like, I would have been like Voldemort, where I would have gobbled up every bit of magical information I could find. Because to yeah. me, it doesn't seem to work any other way. That instinct alone, that, you know what I mean? Instinct alone um, isn't going to be how it is. You know what I mean? That you had to do, you had to have the information in your head. It had to have been there. It's it's, it's like right. my chemistry teacher used to always say, you know, it's either you know it or you don't know. It. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't. Yeah. You know, well, you can't figure and we'll out see chemistry. That time and you know time what I mean? Right. So. So at this point, get let's let's give our final thoughts on book one. The end. What let's did you get- like? The, the, yeah. What did you like? What did you not like? What did you did you notice anything? I'm like. You know, having 
gone through this entire series a million times, was there something in book one that you thought, why is that there? Does this mean something? I mean, I can honestly say no, I don't, because, you know, I don't approach things that way. Um, oh. <laughs> once I, I, and I, and I, I'm just being honest. Like I read it, you know, I don't think two shits about, um, any of it. I just, I, I wanted to read it. I wanted to be entertained. And so I was, it didn't matter to me so much that, um, if there was a bunch of foreshadowing, I wasn't looking for that and i don't think i i can honestly say i don't think i started looking for that until probably book three i felt like um i think book two has a i think is more um obvious maybe a little bit as far as setting some things up but there i don't i don't ever remember reading this thinking "Ooh, that's that's important i really don't I really, really don't because this was a complete story. Um, there's a definite beginning, middle and end. Um, as much as you may not want it to at this book could have been one book. I think here, this could have been one story and there could have been no more and you may have wanted more, but it would have been okay. Um, so that I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, get anything there was nothing that i remember reading it for the first time that jumped out at me of course you can see that i mean i've read it at least 12 times now um and now you pick up those things but i didn't get that read one Deb, did you what about you i'm uh, gonna let that I go think, for it. i um i think for me I, I, of course not knowing when i'm reading it the first time or probably going back in the second time I read it, I wasn't so much aware of the foreshadowing and for things like that um, and twists and turns um, as I was in later readings. I I thought it was really very, she did something extremely difficult, which is, as you said, Janina, the book could have, the book stands on its own. You know, the book stands on its own. And even with the ending, it stands on its own. But we know that there's more coming. So it is a very satisfying story in that they mm -hmm. solve mysteries that they're presented with at that point, but you anticipate that there's some more things that are going to be coming. And then it's not until we get into later books that we see how all of those little things that were um, little crumbs or little hints, how they all played out later. So I think it was very satisfying to me. The first time I read it, I felt like, oh, you know, it wrapped up, but I still, I knew by that point that more was coming, but I didn't feel like I was like, um, I needed to know something else in order to understand what I had read in the first book. Right. Uh, for me, when I think of the first book, I think of the beginning, Harry gets to the magical world. And then I think of the end from the forbidden forest. Because it was the what happened in the Forbidden Forest and towards the end that mm -hmm. made me see that she was doing something different here. I would say because the unicorn, the unicorn being killed, generally right. in stories of children's book, whatever the case may be, they never they never show that to you in a sort of a way. Uh, right. Because your unicorn blood and dragon blood just exist out of nowhere, right? You know what I mean? Dragon hat string. Like, oh, you had to really kill a dragon to get the hat, to get the string, right? Like, that sort of thing. Like, we don't ever get into those details. But um, Hagrid says to Harry, 
that who did this? Because he said, to catch a unicorn is difficult, which I would have never thought of, but I was like, okay. And he says, mm-hmm. to do this, to kill this, and to do this, you are desperate, and you are thinking, I'm just like, aha, this is, this is, I guess, they use the term later on, unusual evil, right? That's the impression mm-hmm. here, that you're going above and beyond. And the other thing that happened here is that Quirrell wasn't necessarily an unwitting party to the evil. It no, sometimes he no. comes off of that way. But Dumbledore says he left for Quirrell to die. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is not the end of this thing. And this man is rather ruthless, right? This isn't right. children's stories anymore. Because <laughs> children's yeah. stories don't show this level of desperation mm-hmm. of like with young with the villain in this manner, right? Like they they don't and and dumb Voldemort we know would stay through to this character throughout, right? He's just like whatever, right? The spares, these people are all spares to me. But he's doing all of this seemingly to get at one little boy. And again we go back to like it's a triple murder that starts out this book. And it's like, wow. So, so for me, I knew this book was going to be, the book, you're right, you're both right, that the book can, in sense, stand on its own. But I left with this book having questions. I didn't like, I'm just like, oh, this is a happy ending? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. We got questions. I have questions. This need, these, these parts need to be resolved. And to me, I was disappointed that in many ways, those things never get resolved in some capacity until the fourth book. And then, when the fourth book comes around, I was like, uh-uh, girl, you are savage here. This is, this is actually, <laughs> this is not a joke anymore. Yeah. Like this, makes, yeah. That, that to me is just like, oh, we thought the unicorn was a crazy situation by book four. Just like, time out, girl, time out. What yep. are you really and truly doing here because she she takes the pain of, of 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 um she just doesn't i think we somewhat slide over the fact that she describes the world all the time but evil she shows the evil right she yeah. shows the evil act every mm-hmm. chance she gets it's yeah. never it's never um and and maybe it's because it's written word right because it's very difficult to somewhat do that on um there is a um, a children's comic um, avatar, not the not the James Cameron, but there is avatar um, this cartoon, The Last Airbender. Yeah. And there is a character who dies, and there is still debate as to whether the character dies because of just the manner in which they just couldn't show someone killing another character in that capacity. They just don't show it. The children are never exposed to death in this vivid manner and she but Rowling shows evil the act of evil the the, 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 the because we see them drinking the unicorn blood because and we didn't even need to see that because we knew the unicorn was dying right like we saw the blood the blood is everywhere we know this thing was dying and Hagrid even say Hagrid said we might have to put this thing down and I was like oh okay but then we get to see the actual thing happening and I was like oh okay all right, girl. Kids, be wary. 
Y'all gonna cry. Y'all. <laughs> 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 this is not for you. This is not for I you, okay? Think that, I think at that age, um, evil is not as evil is, is still in the in the fairy tale realm for kids. Mm-hmm. Not all kids. Some kids have experienced things that they know evil is real. But for the audience for which this was written, um, evil was still kind of like the wicked witch, you know, type of right. evil. Um, even though, and so it, even though she is not flinching from showing it, um, I think that developmentally, if you are 10 or 11 reading this, it doesn't impact you the same way it even impacts an adult who, those of us who know what evil can do and how damaging it can be to even the most innocent. So I agree. The fact that she she did not flinch away from putting it in there shows that the book is going to be multi-layered because, you know, for the 11-year-old, all they know is Harry vanquished whatever the threat was at right. the very The immediate he, threat. The threat goes away. Yes. So, you know, in that regard, that's why it feels very satisfying to a young reader that Harry is the hero and he has vanquished it and he has solved the t- the three of them have solved the riddle and um you know poor quirrell so um you know i think that's why it works on that on that very young level mm-hmm. but i just want us to pay attention to a certain um structure of the book we're in private drive always someplace outside of the magical world if i'm not mistaken right no except for the seventh book Right, it's seventh book. I think is the only place where we start where we're not in the magical world, and we then get the plot in between. We're in the school somewhat. Well, the seventh book is again different, but we always have this end with Dumbledore. Right, there is a conversation conversed right. with Dumbledore to a certain capacity, certain extent, and in these moments, and it starts in the first book. Dumbledore withholds information and he says as such to Harry. So right. for me, yeah. so that leads to me, so for me, when I was reading, again, I read this book, you know, I, actually none of us read this book as a child, um, children. Right. So, uh, I was just like, oh, there is something multi-level going on here that it mm-hmm. isn't, um, we are meant to, I don't know if I imagine that there would have been seven books. I didn't think I knew that information reading. I knew at the very least there were there were three and there would be a fourth book soon, but I realized oh we have to keep going. This is not mm-hmm. that we're gonna keep on going in these stories. So for me, I was like oh okay, I have to pay attention now. You know what I mean? I think and even in the first book we had that element of where we talk about where something that is arbitrarily mentioned. Oh, Hermione knocks over Quirrell and and when Harry sees Quirrell, right? We're mm-hmm. like. That's not what is happening here. And then we're like, ow. Oh. But I would say that um, when Quirrell took off that turban, I was like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? You had a man <laughs> head. And, you know, and there's so many <laughs> weird things in this book. Like, yeah. And you consider some of the like magical elements. Like, a man head is on top of another man? Like, what? is going on here? Like, Dumbledore, Voldemort, like, what are you doing with your magical self? Like, he is, his level of evil and how he operates is, is rather um, 
there's a paper in there somewhere. I don't know if I want to write it. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you want to do it. Because <laughs> I, I, I agree with um, Tony Morrison. Too often we dress up evil too well, you know. But um, yeah. the, it, it is a very the thing that he does is rather even his his mere obsession with Harry though. Because I'm like, dude, you could have gone on with your life and done these things that you said you wanted to do, but you kept holding on to. <laughs> This demon of Harry, like and I have to kill Harry, right? So I'm just like, I'm like, boo. Um, Avada Kedavra has never woke. Why are we still doing that? Why are we doing that? Why don't we just make knives a pair out of somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, like, Harry. It certainly worked on Cedric. I said it worked on Cedric, but it didn't work on Harry. Right. It's just like at this point, you're a brilliant man. You know what I mean? Like. You're doing the thing that Harry would do, right? The same basic bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, because when you, because he does this, um, anyway, let me not get ahead of myself, but you know, that just, um, those things that, considering all the books, Voldemort's actions, I think, are rather odd. Um, there's something we need to, that sometimes I need to look into that. But yes. So are there any final questions we need to ask? No, we just need to get your trivia question for next week. You know, the one that you don't even know the answer to yet. And then <laughs> we I want to be fair. I want to be fair to us all. You know what I mean? Like, yes, most yes. times I will know the answer. I'm fine most with you being the teacher. Um, <laughs> no, I think Deb, 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 Deb is pulling me down out of the tree. You know what I mean? She is, you know. I have been dissuaded of one of my ideas, but I would hold on that Hermione is not a feminist. Um, she's just a plot point, but we will. <laughs> <laughs> we have six more books to go. <laughs> what is your question for next? So week? my question is, hmm. So we are in the miles and miles underneath the school. And secrets, okay. What's that? We're chamber. This is no. We're, we're not even in chamber secret. We're still in book one. Oh, okay. Cut it out. Cut it out. So Snape said, <laughs> Snape's challenge, right? After right. bottles of potion to range. Your homework is, and I have to do this myself, can we put the bottles in the order in which they are and label each bottle? No. So, but I'll, so we I'll can try. Put, so we can we just have to put seven bottles, right? I don't even understand bottles. the question, so I can't so, do it. Okay, yes, you can. <laughs> so when it's all there in the book. So when Harry and Hermione gets to the potion, Snape's task if we may put it that way right oh in uh, class no 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 in beyond oh, the school the very end well they don't know they think they're trying to catch snape but they they're trying to catch somebody they're okay. trying to catch somebody right so there is a challenge before they get into the mirror of erised the room in the mirror of erised right so they are set up potions there are some poison there's one that's going to send you back to the fire there's one that's going to send you through the fire Granted, I would just say, why didn't you just look at the bottle at the one that looked like somebody had already drunk it? But I'm even gonna even deal with that. Much, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I'm not even gonna say nothing. And you know? I wasn't gonna say anything, but you know, somebody had to say. It. But the bottles are arranged in a particular order, right? And there is a set of um, rules and regulations that sort of put there, like a sort of a quiz. So that is my question to listeners. So you are to just make seven boxes, you know, whatever the case may be, and see if you can arrange them. When you put your answer, you just put bottle number one is this, bottle number two, 
And I think it's arranged from left to right. All of the instructions are actually in the tech. So, Jenny, now you need to pull up I your own. To, I guess so. I'm going to have yeah. to go get the so, book. This, this is a fun challenge for all of us. So, both of us. All of us. All three of us are in it. Right. I have to myself. I don't know the answer. So... I love this trivia question. Okay. Well, until next time, kids. <laughs> yes. So, we, so don't forget, you can comment below. You will find us on all the available platforms, iTunes. We are trying to get it up on YouTube where it should be easier to comment. But I believe Podbean does have a, um, a comment section where you can comment on a particular podcast or underneath a particular episode. Yes, uh, do. And you can always find us on Twitter. You know, we're happy to answer questions on Twitter, etc. So... This was wonderful, gals. Any last parting words on the book? The seventh book? Yes. Sorry? The only thing is, you know, we've got to figure out a way to get Neville in there because Neville is a lot more important to the conclusion than than we know. I think, hello? We lost Deb for a second. She said we have to get um, Neville in there. He's important, yeah. and that is true. So let's try to focus on him a little bit more um, next time and, and see if we can see where he starts becoming more important and cropping up because that does that start to happen yet in two yeah. or do we, oh, I think it does, right? But nothing is ever mentioned by chance. So Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Focus chance. on Neville. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Let us all be safe people. There are no magical potions for our problems there. Alright. Bye bye. Bye bye.